Jewish audio on Chabad.org. The Basics of Hasidus, Chapter 7, Section 3, The Only Existence. Achtos Hashem as revolutionized by Hasidus. The second part of Tanya, the primary work of Hasidus Chabad, is dedicated to the discussion of divine oneness. It opens with the verse, V'yadaita hayoim. You shall know today and take it unto your heart that God is God in heaven above and upon the earth below. There is none else. On a simple level, this verse is understood to be a cautionary reminder that there are no other gods to be found in any part of the heavens or in the earth. What is surprising is the Torah's uncommon emphasis, know this and take it to heart, implying that this instruction meets some internal resistance that necessitates this extra measure of reflection. What is this inside voice which encourages the consideration of some false god inhabiting some unknown location? In answer to this question, the Alter Rebbe presents Hasidus' definition of divine oneness. He follows the straightforward meaning of the verse's final two words, Ein Oid, there is none else, to mean quite simply that there is no other existence aside from God. Accordingly, V'yodaita Hayoim informs of, informs of an entirely counter-current perspective of reality. It teaches that in the heavens and the earth, and anywhere in between, there is nothing but God. The emphasis, know this and take it to heart, is important as this instruction does indeed demand extensive efforts and involvement. It enjoins that we conquer our inborn perception of existence and internalize, both intellectually and emotionally, that in truth there is no other existence but God. Section 4. Is there really nothing else? Reality in question. Human experience doesn't offer any doubts in regard to the existence of our physical reality. Intellectual discussion and proof are not necessary for something so innate and obvious. However, with the Hasidic perspective of divine unity, establishing that there is no existence aside from God, the typically unquestioned reality of the world needs to be discussed. What does it mean that there is nothing but God? Does Hasidus intend to declare the world as a figment of the imagination? When Achtos Hashem is understood in terms of God as the only dominant being, the universe is enhanced. All existence is now humbled before God, and a meaningful life can be lived in subservience to him. The world is his, he is the God of the universe. However, when Achtos Hashem is understood in terms of God being the only existence, where does that leave the world? Is it just a useless fraud? Is it an illusion to test our faith? Who am I if there is nothing but him? In Hasidus, the world's authenticity is established from the Torah's unequivocal description of its creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is impossible that the true God would describe in his Torah of truth a false or meaningless reality. The world must truly be not only because we think so, 
but primarily because God says that it does. Two truths must coexist. Number one, God is to be considered the only existence. And number two, the world is authentic and valuable. Paradoxically, God's Torah and mitzvahs can only be be fulfilled in this physical reality where tangible deed imbues the world with godliness. Yet concurrently, God is the only real entity and there is nothing else. Transcendent Oneness Perhaps the smoothest resolution of this contradiction of existence is by recognizing the distinction between God's viewpoint and our own. We experience duality, while God exists in singularity. For us, there is a world and its creator, but God ultimately transcends creation. In his view, there's nothing but him. The verse states, I, God, have not changed, indicating that God himself is left unaffected by creation. Not only in the is his being not modified from his role in creating and vivifying all worlds, but moreover the world's presence has no inference to him whatsoever. From his perspective, he's still alone. To explain, existence as we know it results from divine concealment. The precept of Tsimtsum teaches that or Ainsof, the infinite expression of godly revelation, leaves no possibility for otherness to exist. The Tzimtzum's concealment is therefore imperative to creation as it protects the created existence from being absorbed within the divine reality. The Tzimtzum veils the creative divine energy, thus allowing the creations to be brought into being without feeling their true source. Importantly, this restraint and concealment exhibited in the Tzimtum is not a foreign entity from God, rather it too is an expression of his being. While God's name Havaya expresses God's benevolent revelation, his attribute of kindness, the name Elohim refers to God's power of restraint and diminishment, his attribute of might. Although we may perceive concealment and absence of godliness from his point of view, he is found in the darkness just as he is in the light. Furthermore, from God's vantage point, these two seemingly contradictory expressions are actually one. They're both expressions of his unbounded ability. Considering that one cannot truly hide behind themselves, God is not hiding behind the symptom because the symptom is also him. Thus, the limitation caused by the symptom is only one-sided, while we see it as opaque and concealing, for God, the symptom is transparent. In conclusion, from God's perspective, otherness remains impossible even once he created it. From his transcendent viewpoint, there is still nothing but him. In this sense, he remains unchanged despite our existence. Following the paradox of the opaque yet transparent symptom, while the world is real, existing as a creation of God, God remains as the only existence. He is alone after creation, just as he was before creation, despite our existence. 
permeating oneness, Echad versus Yochid. The approach presented above has a major drawback. Yes, one can understand that there is a perspective in which God is the only existence, however that perspective is not our own. The recognition of God's transcendent oneness remains irrelevant to our self-perception. In contrast, the Torah's instruction, you shall know today there is nothing else, is that we, living within the reality of this world, are to internalize God's exclusivity. Despite the obvious difficulty, there must be a way to understand that God is the only one, even from the perspective of the created existence. This is also reflected in the basic declaration of God's oneness. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. Commentaries raise the question regarding the Hebrew word used here for one being Echad. Seemingly, the word Echad is not the most precise word to describe God's absolute oneness. While the Hebrew word Echad does denote oneness, it can also imply that there are others beside the one. At times, echad is used in a sequence of numbers, where one is followed by two, etc., indicating that echad is not alone. Contrastingly, the word yachid implies absolute singularity, leaving no possibility for any other entity. Being that God is completely exclusive, why then is the seemingly more accurate term yachid not used? The explanation behind this word choice can be understood from the Shulchan Aruch's instruction regarding the proper intent meant to be had while reciting the Shema. It states that Hashem Echad implies that God is one within the heavens and the earth. Precisely because the word Echad does not completely preclude the existence of others, it therefore infers that God's exclusivity is relevant within the otherness of worldly existence. Although Yachid would better describe God's perfect singularity, Echad illustrates how this divine exclusivity permeates the heavens and every corner of our material reality. Hashem Echad thus indicates that not only is God one beyond creation, he's also one within existence. In the core of our discussion, the Hasidic teaching that there is no existence aside from God must be realized within the reality of worldly existence. As emphasized in the above-mentioned verse, you shall know and internalize that in the heaven and the earth, God is God and there is no other existence. Created existence is to recognize that God is the only existence. Bittu. The paradoxical non-existence of the authentic universe is resolved by Hasidus's foundational idea of Bittel, or nullification of created existence. Bittel is a term used in the Hasidic parlance for the subsumption or absorption into a greater truth that causes a sense of selflessness. It is a framework in which one can exist as ayin, a non-thing. While attitudes of lowliness, self-abnegation, or subservience suppress the sense of self, 
Bittel relates to one's core identity. This nullification does not sabotage existence, it allows it to be a non-thing. Achdus Hashem is not to deny that there is a world, rather, it's the world's acknowledgement that God is the only yesh, or thing, that is. The charge is not to deflate the world or prove its inferiority because a deflated existence is just as much of a disruption to God's singularity as an inflated existence. With Bittle, God is the only existence, not because he cancels creation, but because creation's relationship with him allows it to be a non-thing. Achdus Hashem allows the creations to embrace a truth bigger than themselves. In the Ayin's worldview, importance, importance isn't self-importance. Worth isn't self-worth and ego isn't egocentric. Bittel enables one to attune to the divine purpose without any hindrance of self-focus.